welcome to the All-American Savage Show podcast with your host, John Burke, and his far more attractive co-host, me. Now, let's get into it. That's what your mom said. Welcome back to the All-American Savage Show. I am your host, John Burke, with my beautiful heterosexual bearded life partner, Josh, operating those controls right across from me on this beautiful, beautiful Texas afternoon. It is like, ah, uh, today is like perfect weather. I'm not sure what uh, what's going on. It, it, what, what would you say? Is like 60s? 60s out there? Oh, yeah. It's nice. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect weather. It's, uh, it started off cold. It did. I was a little nervous. Texas can't like make up its mind. <laughs> Texas can't make up its mind. Uh, we, uh, we're kind of running behind on the schedule here today, folks. We've got some business stuff we're taking care of, looking at another possible brick and mortar location to, uh, open up a shell shock store. I had to go view that property this morning and then, uh, got some calls today after, uh, concerning Twitter, excited for that, running Twitter ads and things. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, especially in the news. Um, I was, oh my God, I, I hate myself. I was invited to be a part of a Twitter space last night to do another, uh, grassroots fundraising thing for representative Chip Roy. And Thomas Massey was there and I forgot to charge my damn phone. And so right when this thing starts, I'm sitting there and Chip Roy, by the way, a very, a very amazing speaker. Like the dude's just sitting there. Uh, I, I, I could have sworn into the life that guy could be a preacher. He, he's like one of these guys that I've never actually sat down and listened to, but listening to him speak last night, he's very passionate about his convictions regarding liberty. Um, he's a very principled Christian man and he applies that to his politics and his reasoning. And it was very inspirational. Listen to that. Do I trust them? Hell no. I don't trust anybody. But even still, it was nice to listen to that. And then um, my phone died. And then, you know, I had to cook. We were cooking dinner. I'm letting it charge. And then I wake up and I go back in there to look and see. I think they raised upwards of like $14,000 for Chip Roy's campaign. I think he's running unopposed, but they might put up a Republican challenger because uh, Chip Roy endorsed DeSantis. They view him as a rhino within the MAGA cult. And they don't want Roy representing them anymore. They want a Trump loyalist in there. Uh, Chip's not backing down, but I thought it was very well done. And to raise that much money just from a grassroots Twitter space, I'm telling you, that's 
it might not seem like a lot of money to some people out there. Like when you're talking, say, for example, the Trump campaign and things like that. But to a lot of these representatives, these congressmen and women, that that goes a long way. Like that goes a long way because these are congressional races. These are not presidential races. That money can do a lot of good for them out there. So we definitely need and Chip. Uh, he's a Texan and we need more of him. Like Chip, I wish we could get uh, Thomas Massey to come down here, but he's up in Kentucky. So but Chip uh, and then apparently uh, Matt Gates stopped into the Twitter space and I was gone. And they brought him up to speak. And apparently Thomas Massey brought him up to speak and they just, they let into him. They like, they had it out and they educated. It was, it was Chip Roy, Thomas Massey versus Matt Gase in that space. And I missed it. I missed it. I was, I'm so pissed at myself. Is there some place we could watch it now? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's on Twitter. Uh, my friend Reese, I don't know. I don't know if she's watching today. Um, she hosts the space. She does a lot of good out there. Like she does so much to raise money for these candidates. They're uh, pro Liberty and, it, it was it was very well done. I listened to Chip. He was ant- man. He he answered questions for hours. People were asking him various questions. He was talking about laying out plans. I listened to part of it, and just again, very well spoken, very well done. But yeah, Gates stopped by apparently, and they just ripped into this guy. It's just like he's going up against the likes of Thomas Massey and Chip Roy in one Twitter space. Like, dude, you're gonna lose. You are going to lose. But I got to go back and listen. I didn't. I haven't heard the back and forth. But from the comments, I'm seeing that um, there were some people upset with Reese that Matt Gates even was allowed to speak in the space. And I'm, I'm just like, I, I don't understand that. I think that you do need your political opposition, even within your own side, give them the microphone to speak so you can debate the principles, debate the, uh, the policies. And that's what Thomas Massey did. He invited Gates up to speak. So of course, uh, recent arrest of him allowed him to come up and speak. And that's when the back and forth started. So I, I am not in agreement. I am not in agreement with people sitting there saying that we shouldn't let people that we don't like into these spaces to speak. No, in fact, it, it should be the opposite. Like you, you need them in there to come. So I shouldn't say need, but you should want them to come in there and speak. So you can, again, refute their points, debate the, the principles and the policies. So I thought that was very well done. Um, again, $14,000. It's impressive. Kudos to them. Kudos to them. And I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I've been to the other ones. That was the one for Thomas Massey and the rest of them before I got banned on that Twitter account. So I was like, that's great. <laughs> but wonderful time. They did a great job last night. Today's episode, as you, if you didn't know, if you didn't know, but now you know, brought to you by shellshockcbd.com. Folks, if you've not checked it out, we have some wonderful deals on the website right now. If you haven't checked it out again, it's shellshockcbd.com. Um, I'm not going to lie. We've been testing another product that we are going to take to market. I'm very, very certain of it. Remember how I told you about the Delta 8 Honey? Well, we've tested it. Works amazingly well. Um, that's going to be coming to you in the, the upcoming months. I don't know what we're going to call it, like Burke's Bees. Because I'm, I'll be I'll be upfront with you all right away. It's like right now, I don't have the beehive yet. And I still have to learn the process. But we're going to be outsourcing the honey um, from local people. But eventually, I do want to supplement it to where I can use my own homegrown honey and then lace it with Delta 8 and sell it called Burke's Bees. Should be good. It's got a nice ring to it. It does. Have a little picture of me kind of in the John Rosso. <laughs> like there on the front, Burke's Bees. Instead of Burt's, it'll be Burke's, but with Delta 8. Mm-hmm. It's actually really good. It's actually really good. And they say that, you know, when if you have like allergies, um, for those that don't know this, if you have allergies where you live, get local honey and use that. And it should help you with your allergies because the pollen that local bees carry and stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. interesting now with stuff. the uh, Delta 8 gummies, mm-hmm. it's like 45 minutes to an hour for the yeah. kick in. How long did it take for the 20 honey? minutes? Dude, 20 minutes. It was, I think it's because it's so um, sugary, I guess. I, I don't know. 20 minutes, but I'll put it this way. I took less than a teaspoon yesterday. I'm still high. I'm not going to lie. I did it yesterday around 6 p.m. And it is currently 12 p.m. the next day. I'm, I'm st- I still feel a nice, relaxing 
Um, the, the, the days, the sky looks blue, looks super blue. I, I love the way I feel. I'm still complete control of my faculties. I'm not like, bro, I'm so baked, but it has a nice, um, I guess you could call it a residue. I don't know what you would describe it as. It's amazing. So excited for this again. We got to work on this. Um, I'm not sure how much Delta eight was in that, to be honest with you, but good Lord, I feel. We'll have to get the dosing dosage right. Cause uh, I think the, what we made is like 4,000 milligrams. It's 4,000 milligrams. Yeah. And, you know, and for something like that to charge for something, cause that's a lot, that's a lot of Delta eight, but we got to make it more affordable, but also it's too strong. Like it is, I mean, we can maybe do some like high dose batches of honey, but like I was thinking like maybe just a regular honey squirter, or maybe we could do stick honey. We'll have to, we'll have to figure this out, but yeah. you know, I love it. I, and the honey tastes amazing. So say, look, you want to do like some chicken and biscuits and get baked. Here you go. Drizzle some of that little Delta eight honey on that bad boy. Ooh, ooh, mama. Telling you, I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Hopefully, you guys are having a wonderful day. <laughs> Listen to me talk about how I got baked. Oh, it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, let's get into the news. I heard. Uh, I was actually listening to Glenn Beck on the way into the into work today after we went and looked at the property. And Glenn Beck, I <laughs> I don't I don't get how this guy's mind works. Let me ask you this: Do you think Tucker Carlson would be qualified to be vice president? In your professional opinion, do you think Tucker Carl Carlson Probably is not. a... Okay. Probably Glenn not, Beck no. says he is. Glenn Beck, like, I love... I think it would be I, hilarious. <laughs> I think it'd be great, too. But actually, no. Here, here, let me... Okay. Glenn Beck, bro, it, it, all you have to do is just turn on the political fan, and that, that opinion of his will just shift in the wind. Shift in the wind. So I remember when Glenn Beck was hardcore against Team Trump, yada, yada, yada. But now when it comes to anything pro-Trump, he... Oh, bro, he is all in. He is not holding back. He wants that MAGA crowd to listen. He, he needs it. So I'm listening on the way into work today, and Beck's like, you know, and they're talking about Tucker Carlson. He's bright. He knows what he's doing, and I don't disagree with that. He I, 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 he's very, yes, come on. Tucker's, he's a genius. I'm not going to say he's not. You know, he, he's playing his cards very well. Just his ad revenue off of Twitter alone has got to be insane because his video views are getting millions upon millions of views. Yeah. Um, but Glenn Beck was floating the idea of Tucker Carlson as VP, and I'm like, dude, are you high? He's like, you've got to be high. Like, I'm high, and this sounds high. Like, what are you talking about? So he's talking about Tucker Carlson, and he's just like, yo, he, and a lot of people out there would say that he doesn't have the qualifications. Well, he does now. I'm like, what? Because he interviewed Putin? What does that have to do with anything? I was like, he's a journalist. Now, I will say this Tucker Carlson is also a selective journalist, as are they all. As are they all. I will admit that. Now, Tucker, I probably think is. You know, when he was calling DeSantis a rhino and doing all this criticism of DeSantis, and yet I, I lost a lot of respect for him on that one. But the fact is, Tucker is still an independent journalist. Now, does that qualify you as being VP? Well, technically, yes, it does. You, you can be VP. I mean, that's just legally, yes. But is that the right man for the job? I don't virtually, I, I just don't think so. I just don't. I think you can, I think you do better. I think you could do worse. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. Absolutely. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Although I'm not actually, you know what? I think Marjorie Taylor Green would make a kick-ass VP. She's a little crazy, yeah. but I, I prefer that crazy working for us and against the left. But it, it's somebody not who's be crazy her. about lowering taxes, yeah. making us energy independent, <laughs> and securing the border. No, I'm not talking about I that, like that kind of crazy. Well, yeah, that yeah, that's that's right up there with yeah. Right. I think the but I think I think with any Republican, you're gonna you should be getting that. I like don't when know. you vote, yeah, you're not gonna get it with the Mitt Romney, yeah. are you? <laughs> That's yeah. You keep, I keep trying to make these points, and you're, you're making good counter ones. Like, damn it, you're right. Okay, fine, fine. I like, I like it when you're high. 
You're more pliable. Bend over. Anyway. Um, no, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's she's out there. She's just nut job. But again, as a VP, normally, like, when, when is the last VP that you've ever seen actually do anything? Uh, never. Thank you. I, know, exactly. never. I think she actually would. Now, I don't like her. I would never vote for her. But I think if you give Marjorie Taylor Greene that VP slot, something's, she's going to do something. She's not going to sit around and twiddle her thumbs. Like, I have never questioned her integrity. I, I do believe she is genuinely committed to the cause. She, I, I believe that she herself believes in her cause, which is commendable. That is good. But she kind of goes off the rails sometimes. Like, what is wrong with you? But either way, I think at a VP slot, she would actually do a lot. I really feel she would. Why we're talking about this, I have no idea. But you said there could be worse. And I was like, yeah, but Marge Taylor, bring, uh, she got brought up. But either way. Um, but yeah, Glenn Beck for Tucker Carlson. Why is it that we have to pick like nothing but famous people to stock this cabinet? Like it just it's they don't have to be famous. This it's it's almost like DEI but for fame and clout. There are plenty of politicians out there or there's plenty of non-politicians out there that you could tap that probably make a far better VP that are far more conservative that would push your agenda, your your things, your priorities is lower the taxes, gas prices, you know, all these other things even though the president can't deal with that. But you, I I get where you're coming from. So, is it Tucker? I don't think so. Like, what would Tucker do? I mean, if it was him, I don't think he would do a bad job. But but what is how how can a VP do a bad job? Yeah, like Kamala, that's about anything. it. Yeah, if you're just there to talk. He's a good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a good speaker. He is. Yes, know? he is. But at the same time, I mean, I would if if Tucker Carlson was let's just say he's a free agent and the political we're doing like ESPN like who you picking? Uh, I would say Tucker would make a very good press secretary. Yeah, I think he would make a very good press secretary. He's this guy knows journalism. He knows press. He knows how to talk to people. I think he'd be a very good press secretary. I don't think I'd want to do that, though, if he's making the kind of money he's making right now doing what he's doing. Why get in front of the public and go through all that scrutiny? I think that's what Trump said. He stayed out of politics for so long is because Mm -hmm. it's, it's so nasty once you get in. Yeah, and I think well, we've seen that like ten times. I think it's ultimately what Tucker wants to do. What, well, like, what's Tucker's goal? Is he wanting to start his own Tucker News Network? Because he already did like Tucker, it's TCN or something like that. Tucker News, TNC. But either way, it's like, but does he does he have an eye for politics? And I would say, like you suggested, I don't think he would. Because if you're making great money, he's been doing this for a long time. Yeah, I he, mean, didn't he used to work for Fox? He worked for Fox, CNN, CNN yeah. MSNBC. Yeah, uh, he's been around. So yeah, he's. He's made the circuit, right? Well, I mean, he kind of comes off as like a almost like Trump, like a classic liberal Democrat. Yeah, like that's yeah. how he started off, and then yeah. well, he he does you have see some how policies. out of control the Democrats have become, and it's like, ugh. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, like you could handle a Bill mm-hmm. Clinton Democrat back yeah. in the '90s, where you know, oh my God, I'd love for a Bill Clinton Democrat now. At least you can reason with these people. Yeah, what we and have now not, is just ridiculous. A, yeah, it's yeah. Communists. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of communism, this is great. Chicago mayor continues to show favoritism towards black and brown businesses. Chicago mayor Brandon Johnson hands black and brown businesses $18 million to feed migrants. Now, okay, just right off the get-go, there's just two two points that stand out that really resonate me with me. Number one, black and brown businesses. You're only showing them favoritism. Why just black and brown? Because then it says to feed migrants. So they're taking Chicagoans taxpayer money. They're redistributing out to black and brown businesses to feed migrants. 
So my question is, are white businesses not able to feed migrants? Well, clearly they are. So then what's the point in favoriting black and brown businesses? The only, the only answer you can really come up with is they're probably getting some kickbacks. It's not like this money is going to be handed to them and then say, okay, well, you're getting $5,000. That entire 5000 has to go to feed migrants, right? Oh, you know they're not going to. I'm pretty sure there's like hardly any protocol. Let's read. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, I don't pre-read these articles, but let's let's get into this. Um, Johnson's administration partnered with the Greater Chicago Food Dispensary, BJ's Market, and other nonprofits by diverting the huge sum of minority-owned businesses, according to WFLD-TV. During a press conference on the partnership, the Sanctuary City mayor celebrated the program, applauding black and brown businesses as the soul of Chicago. The $17 million investment for the 18,000, or excuse me, the 18, oh wait, there's only 18? The Damn. I thought there'd be like, wow, wow, it's crazy, nuts. What are you doing? They're giving it to the blacks and the browns, but no whites. Now I see why. 18 businesses, $17 million, baby. That's like almost a million a piece. What are you doing to me here? 18 black and brown small businesses is really the, um, it really captures what I call the soul of Chicago. It's who we are, Johnson told the media. Um, I actually think it's quite fitting that we are in this wonderful small business because it has been black and brown small businesses that have stepped up in this moment and this crisis to respond to these families who are arriving here, Johnson added. The ongoing waves of illegals coming into Chicago has put much pressure on the mayor. And early this month, the constant questions on his plans for the border crisis caused the mayor to unload on reporters. Uh, you just absolutely have to love this, folks. You have to love this idea that... <laughs> <laughs> you're going to take money from white taxpayers as well and then give it to black and brown owned businesses to say they're the ones that have stepped up to help feed this home or this, this migrant crisis. It's basically saying, fuck you, whitey. It's basically, come on, just say it, dude. Just say, fuck whitey. Can, can you just come out and say it already? This is ridiculous. Are you kidding me with this? So you got 18 black and brown owned businesses, 18. And you got $17 million. Fuck Whitey, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. It's ridiculous. During a presser on February 5th, Johnson blasted the media for asking him when he planned to reschedule his canceled trip to Texas to visit the border. Um, he said, you know, you're all asking me if I'm not a parent of the city. Can say, I get it. I'm mayor. I get it. Uh, this is when he going on that rampage. You're like, I'm black. I'm, you know, I'm raising my black wives, raising black kids and black, 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 black. I was like, bro, you're in Chicago. You're in, it's not like you're up in the Hamptons where they're like, mm, don't let the darkies in here. You're in Chicago. Like that's black Chicago. So this, this whole, this whole victim narrative that you're trying to paint here is like, I'm black. My wife's black. She raised children that are black that are in a black, predominantly black city, I would imagine, or at least the blackest, blackest of areas. The fact that you're talking about 17 black and brown owned businesses kind of alludes to that fact. It's predominantly black. So then, if that's the case, what's the struggle with being black in a predominantly black city? In fact, you'd think it would be the opposite. Unless, <gasps> do we dare have that conversation? Do we dare have that We should have that conversation. Or it's because you've got a cultural issue on your hands. And you, being a clear socialist, is not going to help this issue economically whatsoever. <laughs> You're stealing from Peter to pay, well... Not Paul. Screw Paul. He's white. Paul don't get anything. I mean, you're, you're going to steal from Peter and Paul to pay black and brown owned businesses. <laughs> How could you even live in a place like this? 
it's just baffling to me. Baffling, I say. Folks, these are Democrats. Black liberals have got to be the dumbest outside of white liberal women. Outside of white liberal women, I have never seen a dumber group of people. I've never. You, they should, it's like no different than BLM. You're the most racist people out there. You grift off of your own. You steal from your own. And then you screw your own over. For example, 18 black and both, like 18? That's like maybe on one street in Chicago. So I'm, I'm very curious. And there's probably, maybe it's going to show which businesses are getting this money. I'd be very interested in reading that list and where their locations are. I have a wife. I have children. They have schedules, he ranted on. And plus, we still have public safety we have to address. We still have the unhoused that we have to address. I still have a budget that I have to address. I'm doing all of that with a black wife raising three black children on the west side of shitty of Chicago. West side. West, I, I, what does that mean to me? Why does he mention his race? I, well, you know why. I, I'm just curious. Like, What does that have to do with anything? Oh, you know why. He's using it to shield himself from any criticism. Like, you can't yell at me. I'm black. I'm a victim. Are they disabled? <laughs> it's a, I don't understand. White liberal women think they are. President Biden thinks they are. I'm a black man with a black wife and black kids. Uh, do it all, trying to do all. Is that a handicap? Yeah. According to him, it is. But I'm kind of like, okay, well, if it is, and it's in Chicago, you've had black leadership for how long now? Like, are people chasing him from the building <laughs> to his car, to his Mercedes? Probably. Probably. No, I think yeah. he's talking about more like the scrutiny of the reporters that are basically like, you know, when are you actually going to go down and visit the border? He's like, well, I don't have time for it because I'm a black man with a black wife and black kids and a black West Side City of Chicago. What does that have to do with anything? But that's that's how they that's how they arrange these pressers to where, you know, I can I throw that card out. And if you refute it, you're the racist. Now I know Peter Ducey would. He's like, what, what? I love, I love Peter Ducey's the, the testicles on that guy. He doesn't care. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Gotta love that. So the recent shooting at the Joel Osteen Church, neighbors of Lakewood Church shooter, detailed years of hell and police inaction. Only a matter of time. Um, the neighbors of the shooter, and by the way, it is, it was trans. It was a guy. It was a trans shooter. Go figure. But it was a female pretending to be a guy. I think it was a guy pretending to be a female. I thought it was the opposite. I could be wrong. We'll, we'll find out. I don't because know. she was going by the name Jeffrey. Yeah, oh, well, I, I thought, no, because in the, in the police reports, it says she was a white female. Mm. Yeah, because remember, there was a lot of, uh, initially is what they were reporting. They may have changed it, but that's why a lot of people kind of like, there is nothing white about her. Like, you got to love how the press does that. It's like, what was the uh, the Trayvon Martin in Georgia? What's his face? Zimmerman? Zimmerman. It's like, he's white. It's like, his last name is Zimmerman, bro. What are you talking about? He's white. It's like, okay. Pin it on the whites. They can handle it. Why? All right. Yeah. Huh. Let's find out together. You got to love it. I think it was a woman pretending to be a man. But let's find out together. Together. Reading rainbow. (laughs) Try not to get shot while we're doing it. Uh, The neighbors of the shooter opened fire at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church before being fatally shot by police detailed years of harassment and threats their small two-street community faced from her, claiming law enforcement elected officials failed to adequately respond to their near-constant outcry. Five women who live near Jenny's Ivan Marino in Conroe, Texas, a city more than 50 miles north of Houston, megachurch, described Fox 26 Houston how Marino tormented the usually close-knit neighbor over the past four days, or neighborhood over the past four days. 
The next door neighbor, Jill, said Moreno repeatedly made false police reports that she and others were stalking Moreno and the seven-year-old boy said to be Moreno's son. Moreno, who was originally from El Salvador, has a lengthy criminal record and previously used the name Jeffrey Escalante Moreno. Uh, brought the seven-year-old into the megachurch before opening fire, and the boy remains hospitalized in critical condition. Four years, I've been through hell. I have reported this, reported this, reported this, and it's gone on deaf ears, Joel told the outlet. I've uh, had psychological officers up here. Since they won't answer their door, they won't do anything. Until she hurts you, there's nothing we can do. So everybody keeps saying on all these big news stations, if you see something, say something, that's bullshit. Because I've been through it. I talked to everybody. I probably called everyone on your news stations trying to get someone to take this on. No one would do anything. Nobody would call me back. And yet everyone's still on the station saying, see something, say something. Nobody should have died. Nobody should have been hurt. This should have been handled years ago. And here we are again, Jill added. I knew it was only a matter of time before she did something. Another labor, Linda Gouda said, we did something. We said something. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a dude. I don't know. We cannot do anything more. But okay. Several neighbors remember the same trench coat authorities said Moreno wore in Lakewood Church before opening fire. They said they frequently spotted Moreno wearing a trench coat while carrying gun cases and a long rifle in and out of the house. Uh, Jill recalled that day of the shooting, she saw Moreno pull a sedan into the driveway and cover the vehicle with a blue tarp so the cameras could not pick up what Moreno placed inside. It looked really odd, and I thought it was weird, but I thought she's weird anyway. So, you know, what this girl is up to. You never know what this girl is up to. So I just watched my back and just left it at that, Jill said. Her way of intimidation was to bring the gun cases in and out, crossbows, you know, she'd come out and she'd have her gun case out there, and she'd do a Hail Hitler sign or flip you off. You know, it was something every day, Jill said. There's just so many things, and it just seemed to keep escalating. And then when she started uh, targeting other women in the neighborhood, that's when we all really started getting concerned because she didn't know how far it was going to go. I wasn't the only one being targeted. Authorities said anti-Semitic writings were found during a search in Moreno's home and indicated that Moreno's former in-laws are Jewish and the rifle used in the megachurch attack had a Palestine sticker on it. In the wake of the shooting, the child's grandmother released a statement saying in part, although my former daughter-in-law raged against Israel and Jews in a pro-Palestinian rant yesterday, this has nothing to do with Judaism or Islam. Nothing. But this is what happens when reckless and irresponsible reporting lets people with severe mental illnesses have an excuse for violence, she said. Oh, yeah. Blame it on the press. I mean, it partially is. But that doesn't give you a justifiable reason to go out there and shoot up a church. Sorry, it just doesn't work that way. News never works that way. That's, that's, that's crazy to me. That's nuts. But at the same time, I mean, what are authorities going to do? You have this person going out there making threats. Unless they violate the law, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, you could, you could handle it yourself in a weird kind of way, but still. Keep an eye on them. Yeah, that's all you can do. That's, that's so sad to hear. That really is. It's terrible. Did you see Joel Osteen come out and address the uh, Church? press? No. He just said that. He agreed with the, uh, he had thanked all the law enforcement that came out there and mm-hmm. handled it so quickly and that, you know, it could have been way worse. And Oh, yeah. So I think he did a good job coming out and addressing it. And Yeah. I wonder if that means they're going to. Yeah. Especially in the Christian faith. Yeah. I, I wonder if that basically means that, you know, we're going to hire armed security now. Or just yeah, I'm surprised they don't have armed security in there, honestly. Uh, I bet they will now. I mean, oh, yeah, my and, church, yeah. yeah, they have at least one police officer. Yeah. So I just don't understand these places that don't have some sort of armed security. I think it's just one of those things that they're going to be reactive versus proactive. And it, it takes an event like this before they're finally like, you know what, we, we probably need to do something about this. 
And I hate that it comes down to that. That's why I'm like, again, I'm for putting, you know, police in schools. Oh, absolutely. Have schools guarded by guns. You know, we can sit there and keep complaining about, oh, it keeps happening, but we're not doing anything to prevent it. Yeah. So why are we, why are we going to complain? The, the, the alternative, the liberal alternative is to ban guns. That's send, not an alternative. You can That's send $90 billion dollars to Ukraine, Israel yeah, and yep. Ukraine, but you can't put a police officer, one police officer at every school. Yep. That's what they think about the mm -hmm. American citizens. Yeah. That's why it's ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> here, here's another one on this one. And, you know, as these uh, stories unfold, we get a bigger picture of how this person was. Um, <clears throat> The shooting at the Houston Lakewood Church over the weekend was a, a completely preventable horror as the woman who opened fire had a notable mental illness but was still allowed to own a gun, her mother-in-law said. My daughter-in-law, when she was taking medication for schizophrenia, was a very sweet and loving woman, Wally Karnaz, the mother-in-law of the 36-year-old Janice Ivan Monroe, wrote in a Facebook post Monday. But mental illness is real illness, and when family members seek emergency protections, they're not doing so for their own sake, but for the sake of the person who is ill. Investigators are still trying to determine why Monroe opened fire with a semi-automatic rifle in the popular megachurch Sunday. The two people were injured, including Monroe's seven-year-old son before Moreno was killed by law enforcement. Moreno had been put under an, an order for emotional detention in 2016. She had a mental health history documented by Houston police, said Christopher Hassett, commander of the Houston Police Department. Um, Carranza, the shooter's mother-in-law, had unsuccessfully petitioned to be declared conservator of Moreno's son, Sam, in 2022. She said Sam was wounded in the head when off-duty officers shot and killed Moreno at the church. Marino should never have been allowed to own firearms, her mother-in-law said. Texas has no red flag law, also known as extreme risk protection order law that would allow authorities to take weapons from a person thought to be in crisis. The fault lies in a child protective services of Montgomery County, Harris and Harris County that refused to remove custody from a woman known with mental illness that was not being treated and with the state of Texas for not having a strong red flag laws that would have prevented her from owning and possessing a gun. Okay, so let's just let's go down that rabbit hole. Owning, possessing a gun. You're, you're trying to tell me that you don't... Let's just say red flag laws were a thing in Texas. You maybe could have prevented this. Possibly. But then, at the same time, how many other legal citizens could you possibly prevent from owning firearms as well at the hands of, let's just say, psychologists that have to say, does this person have a mental disorder? Can they or can they not own a firearm? I won't deny that potentially red flags could have stopped this to a degree. But at the same time, if she's got a history of mental illness and it's documented, you're not allowed to own a firearm. Like, if it's flagged on there, there are certain things that you cannot own a firearm in certain states. Like, Florida, it's still there. I don't agree with it there. But it's kind of like, in Texas, it's going to take people carrying a gun to stop bad people with a gun. Now, my question, though, is kind of like, if she was flagged already, if she had all these emotional checks, why didn't the state get involved and even take her son, his son, whatever? I don't know what that thing is. Why didn't the state get involved? Because if the state's not going to get involved at protecting a child from abuse at the hands of its parent, why would the state get involved for a red flag law? I'm just speaking hypotheticals here. You're telling me that you think the state would show up and do something in terms of guns due to potential harm of other people, but the state's not going to show up and protect a child? Something's not, it just, it's not adding up here. Am I off on this one? I, I just, I, I can't agree with that. Like, I understand the premise behind red flag laws, but they never work. You're, you're going after legal gun owners. I do not support red flag. I see, I see why they're appealing to many people. I know why Crenshaw wanted them. It's, it's, it's kind of like anything out there that briefs well, but you're not looking at the secondary and tertiary effects of that policy. It's not good for, it's not good for anybody. 
It's just not. How many how many politically driven judges? And I've I've made this reference before. How many politically driven judges have you seen out there that you see these prosecutions? Let's just talk about Trump, for example. There's a lot of people out there that feel like he is being unjustly targeted. Now, what's to stop that same thing from happening to you here in, let's just say, the state of Texas? Maybe there's a neighbor. Maybe I have a neighbor that doesn't like me, doesn't like my show, doesn't like my politics. And the neighbor's going to say, John Burke sounds unhinged. He sounds like he's going to hurt somebody. And we have two different scenarios here. This trans shooter and then me. And somebody calls in and says, hey, I think, I think this guy's a threat. You got to watch him. And then the, let's just say they say, yeah, well, you know what? We need to, uh, we've got reports. We need to take your guns and you go stand before a judge. Well, that's not constitutionally sound. That's, that interferes with my rights. So in between me standing before a judge and having to prove my mental capacity, which, by the way, I've done nothing wrong. Folks, we've already seen red flag laws be abused in states like Georgia, Maryland, when people actually died at the hands of police. It's not a good system. Again, I see the reasoning behind it. I get it. But at the same time, this isn't going to work. This is not an, an alternative to fix this. I'm just, I'm curious why people think something like this would actually work. Again, like I said, it briefs well. Like, yeah, we should be able to step in there. But at the same time, like, look, if the state isn't even going to take that person's child, just doesn't brief well. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Maybe I'm off on this one. I don't know. I just, mm. it's always the red flag thing. I can't agree with that. I even know some influencers over in Florida. They've been red flagged just from their politics. And these are Trump supporters, by the way, which I don't agree with that, but they've been red flagged. And I'm like, dude, that's not right. Just from their outspoken vocal support, or excuse me, vocal support of Donald Trump. Now, maybe there were some other things involved. I don't know. But even still, it always gets abused. And the thing is, you have no metric of which to measure said abuse. You can see, you can have this list of good things. Like, hey, look at how many, you know, potential shootings we've stopped with these red flag laws. It's like, okay, yeah, that briefs well, fine. But then what's the metric from how many legal gun owners you stopped? How many rights that you have violated? And there's no metric for that. I can't agree to something like that. And ultimately, it's constitutionally not protected. So that's the thing that people think that when you have an issue like this, that there should be a fix. It's like, this shouldn't happen. You're right. It shouldn't happen. It's disgusting. We shouldn't have this. But the fact is the freedoms that we have that allow you to protect yourself, this is one of the byproducts of this. And I hate it. But unfortunately, that's the society that we live in. That's America. Or you could go over to England and be at the hands of somebody that's got a butter knife and you've got nothing. And you can be in prison for making memes. Something just doesn't smell right on this one. Because again, those background checks are very thorough. They are. They're very thorough. They check. So my thing is kind of like, how did how did this person get a gun to begin with? It sounded like there's a history here. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's crazy. Child Protective Services is investigating the shooting at Lakewood Church alongside law enforcement. And it also, it, it reminds me back of the, um, the one shooting, the um, Sandy Hook. Not Sandy Hook, excuse me, Broward County. Parkland. Parkland. Yeah. FBI went to that dude's house, like, what, 22 times? Yeah. 22 times. Nothing. So I'm kind of like, so what good are you? I'm, I'm just curious. It's a great question, buddy. And then veterans, we talked about, I mean, because there was, there was a lot of concerns when um, Crenshaw talked about that. And one of the things I brought up to his attention, she's like, veterans go to the VA 
to get help with psychological issues from war that this country sent it to. And there are a lot of people out there that for political purposes would say, you know what, if you have PTSD, you can't own a firearm. Well, veterans are no longer going to want to go get help because, you know, they're going to really be very adamant about keeping their Second Amendment. I, I can't imagine being disarmed. I would never want to be disarmed in this society. Like, it's just, it's crazy out there. But if veterans are at the VA saying, you know, I have this, you know, these, these lingering issues from combat or whatever, uh, whatever the case may be, and then, you know, that sends up a, uh, a message, puts you on somebody's watch list. Next thing you know, you can't, you can't own a firearm. What are you going to do? So veterans are going to be like, no, I'm not going to go get help. Stay away from the VA. Got you all hopped up on pills. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Turn you into a zombie. Yeah. And they don't care. No, I mean, they don't. The thing is, though, I'm, I'm very curious. We talk about, like, medication. How many of these active shooters are on medications? I'm very curious on that. It's always the guns. It's never like, look at the medication, look at the history of the person. I mean, a clearly child abuse. The guy clearly didn't care. I mean, his son got shot in the head. It's just nuts. In an interview with CNN affiliate KHOU, Carranza said that she feared Marino might be the shooter the moment she heard the news. She had a particular kind of schizophrenia that caused her to become violent. Carranza said, she threatened her husband, my own son, and we still couldn't get an intervention. So it's just kind of like, okay, so if the state didn't intervene at that point, as far as the child being protected, why would that change if there's red flag laws? It doesn't seem like it, it just, it doesn't seem consistent here. Am I, am I off on that? Am I making a very weird comparison? I don't think so. I kind of feel like if a child's in danger and CPS doesn't get involved, why would they get involved for red flag laws? Because I would think child endangerment takes priority over red flag laws as far as in, in, in like the capacity of importance. That's just me. Either way, I think, I think something's off on this one. Something's, something's, something doesn't smell right. And I'm sure more will come out later. I'm very curious. Number one, here's the other thing. Where, where did he get the gun? Did he buy the gun? Is it his mother's gun? Like whose gun is it? Because it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's not clarifying here. It's just saying his gun. Yeah, I don't know. Well, moving on. Uh, you know, it, it was a female. It was a female? Yeah, so Breitbart News here says the attacker who was identified as 36-year-old Janice Moreno, mm -hmm. previously identified as Jeffrey Escalante. So it's a guy who wanted to be a girl. It's a girl pretending to be a guy. Wait, read that again? The attacker was identified as 36-year-old Janice Morano, mm -hmm. who previously identified. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, I previously identified. So, yeah, it's a trans woman. That's, that's a guy I want to be a girl. I, I, I don't know. It's confusing as hell. I don't know. I, I, it does look like a woman. I'm just going to say it does look like a woman. I can't figure it out. It's confusing. What a day and age we live in. She also had a 22 rifle in the backpack she was carrying. She was shot and killed. And this is on Breitbart, so I don't think okay. they would refer to. Yeah, they won't. Like the trans as their. Proper pronouns. Right. Or their, whatever the pronouns are. All right, we'll take some calls. Yeah. Let's take some calls. Phone's ringing. You can call in, folks. People have been pestering to call in the show. We'll take some calls today. I just, I get in this, this, this mindset and I want to keep going. I don't want to pause sometimes, so. Um, Sorry, get the beat. Yell out. What's up, man? What's up? Hello? Yo, you're on. What's up, dude? All right. No, sorry. I was just trying to get uh, situated. 
So I was going to bring up a, a topic where you're talking about gun laws or just guns in general, how the good guy needs a gun mm-hmm. <clears throat> to protect. So uh, 1989, up in Tacoma, there was these, uh, I don't know if you heard of it already, but there was uh, some rangers uh, that were active duty. They were, one of the guys, one of the rangers moved on, moved into a neighborhood and um, he realized it was a, uh, uh, it, it was gang infested with Crips that moved from California. So anyways, make a long story short, he started, uh, you know, they were selling drugs and he started uh, filming them. He reported to his county, to the officers, to the city. Um, nothing was done because of manpower or whatever uh, excuses they had. So eventually, after I think about a few months of him reporting, going to the press, him and his, he went up to, he had got a couple of ranger guys from his unit. They walked out across the street to the suspected drug dealer told him straight out hey you guys need a you guys need to leave and that so basically and then he got into a altercation with the the crip the crip said no we're not going to leave so later on that dude calls his ranger buddies that day calls about five of them they each bring their own weapons the crips are there gathering slowly and during the when the night came then they got into a firefight so once that happened, the uh, there was no casualties on either side. I think there was an injury on the Crips side, but so what happened is that they they basically the Rangers fought off the Crips and uh, you know let them know that the neighborhood was not you know wasn't going to be you know taken over like that. So then the cops showed up, and then they then that's when national news took over, and uh, that's when they squared it away. But mm. That's a good example of how uh, good guys with guns, basically. The Rangers took on a gang of Crips in a neighborhood. That's badass. Now, I'd never heard of that. Yeah, you should look it up. In, uh, it happened in Tacoma, Washington. I think there were Rangers from uh, whatever it's Fort yeah. Lewis up there. Yeah. No, that's not, I'd never but, heard of that. That's badass. That's a, yep, it's uh, pretty, pretty well known now. But that's an example of uh, you don't fuck around with the military, I guess. No, Rangers not anyway. when it comes to guns and stuff like that. And, you know, going up against drug dealers, it's not like you can under uh, underestimate them either because they're, they're fighting for their lives. They're fighting for the money. They're not going to go peacefully. It's like one of those things of if, if cops won't do their job. And here's the other part. It's kind of like how, how can they do their job outside of, like, watching them on putting them under surveillance? Do they have the manpower and the bandwidth to do that? And it's kind of like depending on where you're at, there's probably a lot of it that goes on. It'd be like, say, like living in Colleen outside of Fort Hood. Um, it's ghetto. It's ghetto as hell. And they're just, they're so, even here in Dallas, it's so under, they can't keep enough officers because number one, a lot of them don't back their officers. Hopefully they do now. I haven't, I haven't really touched base with Dallas in a while, but um, you can't keep people working because number one, you're not backing them. Or secondly, there's just so much crime that, you know, they they have a stack of cases. It got got to the point here in Dallas. They were talking about like, if it's a, if it's a car accident, don't call the cops. They're not coming. Do it yourself. Unless it's like really, really bad. Um, Victimless crimes, they're not going to show up for. You just file the report online. It's that bad. It is that bad. So it's just this whole thing oh, of like defund the police, demonize the police. It's really backfired at a at a national level. Yeah. And this this happened when there was no def- uh, back in the 90s. It was a, mm. There was no defund the police. Yeah. And uh, they still couldn't get uh, the right, you know, they couldn't still react. The cops couldn't still take over and control the situation. So yeah. I would imagine now it's twice as bad, or, you know, four times as bad. And oh, yeah. it takes 
takes that one one uh you know the one guy from the to, to have enough but i think back then actually that ranger guy he never got uh he, he didn't get any his unit overlooked or they didn't overlook it i think he got uh he didn't get promoted <laughs> <laughs> should have awarded that guy should have given him a freaking award keeping his neighborhood yeah. safe it's a boy scout i think he didn't get he didn't get yeah, exactly. He didn't get kicked out, but I believe they, they I think they parted him. Yeah, I appreciate you coming. Uh, Thank you for that story. That was interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that perfect. story before. Yeah, man. Check it out. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your call, dude. Feel free to call in today, folks. We're going to take some calls. Um, the number's on the screen there. We've got Trump coming out with his official RNC chair endorsement. Um, now, this also sends up a red flag for me. And we're going to get into the weeds on this one. Uh, we'll probably take one more call before I do this because I, I want to stay focused on this. So if you want to call in, call in now. I will entertain you in the meantime until we take another call. This episode is brought to you by... No, I'm just kidding. We'll keep going until somebody calls. Um, former President Donald Trump has endorsed Michael Watley, the Republican National Committee chair, and his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, as co-chair. God. Trump announced his endorsement in a statement Monday night citing Watley's commitment to election integrity. Watley has an ardent supporter of Trump's baseless claims. We got a call? Let's do it. And voter fraud in 2020 presidential election. Standing by. Yellow. Hey, John and Josh. What's going on, man? Not much on the gun issue. Yeah. So... It reminded me of when I would try to get a gun. It was back in 21 when I got out of the Army. Mm-hmm. So, you know how whenever you go through something uh, and you talk to your chain of command like, hey, this got me fucked up. I, I want to mm-hmm. talk to somebody about it. Yeah. So, they send, me, they send you to behavioral health. You talk to therapists and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you, I was, you tell yeah, me when, when you're I was still serving? Yeah. Oh, okay. So when I was in AIT, had a soldier uh, commit suicide under while I was on watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had me a little bugged out a little. Yeah. That shit had me flagged from that moment on. So when I got out the Army, I applied for, or when I tried to buy a gun, mm-hmm. had me blocked. I tried to appeal it. ATF is like, no, this was on your record. You can't get a gun. And it's a prime example of why red flag laws yeah. should be gotten rid of. Yep, I agree. That, and that's some BS. You volunteer to serve your country. You see somebody, you know, you, you go through that kind of experience. And then they say, well, as a result of you serving your country and, you know, seeing these uh, horrific incidents, now you can't protect yourself. Now you can't potentially stand to defend this country again should an invasion ever happen. You can't even defend yourself against a potentially tyrannical government. You can't even defend yourself against a robber. That's, that's crazy to me. It's not the way it should be. It's not it's not what this country was built upon. And it's always these crying, whiny-ass liberals want to sit there, they're bleeding hard of like, oh, these... It, they always paint Democrat, or Republicans as like that we, we like gun crime. No, none of us are celebrating these shootings. Nobody's over here saying, yay, guns. We're all saying like, we, you know, this needs to stop because ultimately it's responsible gun owners that are getting looked at as if we're the terrorists. We're not. We're saying, you know, we should educate people, get more guns, more legal guns on the street. People trained with guns, if you will. But this idea of, you know, one wacko goes crazy. So then we, what, we, we penalize everybody else? That doesn't make sense to me at all. 
And so we should restrict your rights. Yeah, it's like, you know, it'd be no different than say like the example of what you went through. Then I have to suffer for that. That doesn't make sense to me. Or if like if I went through something and got flagged, then you're going to have to deal with that as well. It just it's not it's like this this mass punishment BS. I mean, we saw that in AIT, no less. That's like to to unite people. That's because I think at at root of this, there are so many people wanting collectivism versus individuality, individualism. Like, I, I believe that we are 50 United States, but we are individual uh, citizens. We, we have our own communities, depending on what level you want to get involved in. But ultimately, you are on your own. You're independent. But we are united as far as community can be. But this idea that we have to be collective when it comes to the ramifications of an individual's actions is ridiculous. I mean, should we all be penalized for drunk driving? Like, why is that not a thing? We have more people dying at the hands of drunk drivers, but we're not regulating driving. Like, so if it's really a matter of what Americans are dying more of, well, it's clearly not guns. It's probably cars. Heart disease. Heart disease. We're it's, not regulating the food industry. It's because they get more money off of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it's because they can get more money off of you drunk driving. and They can get more money off of you speeding, whereas you buying a gun, they can't really make as much money. No, so no. they got to restrict it as much as yeah. they can, tax the crap out of you. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Because they can't make money off it. It's It's stupid. And all, just the basis of it, the fact of it's like, you know, you're a veteran. You serve this country. You know, the fact that you don't, do you, do you still have this issue? Of what, the uh, mental issue? No, I mean, can you buy a gun yet or is it still on there? Uh, I have no idea. I tried a couple of times in 2022 just to check, but mm-hmm. I've been too broke to buy a gun. I'm actually <laughs> finally got enough to uh, get one. So mm. hopefully... Well, uh, Louisiana had a, they said Louisiana had a pennant or law of two years or something like that. Cause I got out in Louisiana mm. fucking Polk. <laughs> um, Polk's no fun. Polk is no fun. No. Yeah. So I have no idea. Um, in South Carolina now, I'm hoping they have something different. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's ridiculous. I hope you get that squared away. Uh, me too. I appreciate your call, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, I also just want to say, I just want to say one last thing. Yeah. I've been listening to you, John, since 2016, to your car ramp videos, when I was already getting pumped up to go to basic. You got me uh, pumped up to get squared away and get on PT. And then when uh, you and uh, Josh got together and started doing your little stick uh, on Twitch, Got me hooked in politics. I just want to say I love what y'all do, and I'm so thankful for y'all doing it. Oh, thank you, man. I, Thanks, I appreciate that. Fuck Josh. It doesn't matter. It's me. It's all me. It's all me. I'm the talent of this team. No, I'm kidding. I appreciate you, man. Thank yeah, you so much. He doesn't even believe in the moon landing. I know. Like, right? Why is this guy getting any praise? He like denies the moon landing. It's like I don't even know why I'm partners with this dude. Oh, it's whatever. Appreciate your call, man. Thank you for being a, 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 a constant listener. God bless you. Well, Donald Trump, I appreciate those calls. Thank you so much for that. It's just like, you know, you see these other people, like their their podcasts blow up and stuff like that. And it's just kind of like, you want to reach a bigger audience to get this message of freedom. But I think sometimes that we forget, or at least I do, that you have a lot of these individual supporters that have been with us for so long. And we're very grateful for every single one of you. Thank you. It's just sometimes that you see how these people, they're getting like massive amounts of views. They're blowing up. They're getting all these, these, these offers and these deals. And here we are just like trying to carve out our own thing of saying like, look, we're independent. We don't. And I wouldn't even say that we're journalists. We're, we're just, we give wow. our opinions on things, yeah. you know, um, as a lot of podcasters do. 
But at the same time, I just I do want to say how much I appreciate everybody that supported us through every journey, every venture that we've tried our hand at, specifically Shellshock. Thank you for, you know, making Shellshock very successful. You guys are basically what allows us to do this. Like we don't make hardly any money off of the show. We really don't. We appreciate everybody that donates on Rumble and by that supports us on locals. Certainly not enough to make a living off of. And but either way, it's one of those things that we are incredibly grateful for you doing because I, I love doing this. This is a lot of fun. And I think that you're going to get a lot more truth from, say, for example, journalists or independent podcasters, like say like Shannon Joy and a lot of them out there who we sponsor her show as well, that these are not, this is not paid opposition. They're going to give you their honest opinion on this stuff. They're not trying to capture a certain audience, like trying to capture the MAGA audience and then make money off of it. They're saying, these are my views. You're probably not going to agree with some of them, but I'm going to be honest with you. Because ultimately there's a lot of these people like the Jack Sobasex, the Charlie Kirks, they go on these weird tangents, man, these weird things. And they just, I feel like they forsake conservative principles or even common sense for that matter. So we do appreciate all the, uh, the listeners that have stuck with us through thick and thin. So let's keep going. Um, former president Donald Trump has endorsed Michael Watley and for, for, for Republican national committee chair, Ron McDaniel stepping down and his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump as co-chair. Now here's the issue. Okay. Michael Watley is already a Trump, Trump guy. Massive Trump guy. He does one election integrity that's good. I don't know what all he can really do as far as his position. But this is something that worries me. We talk about how the RNC should be the Republican National Committee, Republican National Convention, whatever you want to call it, Republican, the GOP. Well, let's just call it that, Republican movement. The name Republican, to me, does not equate to Trump, the party of Trump. Now, with the RNC chair's responsibility, I want to read you a few of them. And you you put this together. Now, remember when I said that the era of Trump, in my opinion, needs to come to an end. Because number one, we are losing elections. It's not working out. Listen to this. These are the duties of the RNC chair. Developing and promoting the Republican brand and platform. The RNC is responsible for shaping and promoting Republican brand and political platform. This involves defining the party's core principles, values, and policy positions. Okay. That's just one right off the bat. Now we've got two Trump guys in office. What are Trump's policy positions? Do they reflect that of the Republican Party? I don't think they do in certain areas. Number two, fundraising and election strategy. The chair assists in the fundraising efforts to support the Republican candidates at various levels, local, state, and national. They work to ensure adequate financial resources for campaigns. Organizing the Republican National Convention. The RNC oversees the planning and execution of the Republican National Convention, a major event where the party officially nominates its presidential candidate. This convention also sets the party's agenda and platform. Number four, amplifying the GOP's message. The chair serves as a significant megaphone to amplify the Republican Party's message during election cycles. They have communicated, excuse me, they communicate party positions, respond to political developments, and engage with the media. Number five, state party support. The RNC helps solidify infrastructures for state parties, assisting candidates running for various offices. This includes providing resources, training, and coordination. And number six, liaison with the White House. When a Republican is president, the White House has some control over the RNC. The chair collaborates with the administration on party matters. Now, what I have just listed for you, do you see these people that Trump has endorsed? Now, again, they have to be elected, but Trump has endorsed. Do you see them pushing a Republican agenda or a Trump agenda? That's the question I have. Are we pushing a Republican agenda 
of Republican core principles and values. We want a southern border closed. We want all these things done. Where do we stand? And by the way, one of those policy positions is abortion. So what is the new position? That's my question. That's why it concerns me. Now you're taking, a, I'm sorry, but I cannot say that Trump is an outright Republican. Again, I think he's a Clinton-era Democrat. He's right on some things, wrong on other things I don't agree with. But this is something that concerns me. Now, Trump wants his daughter-in-law in there. So do you think there's any going to be any favoritism shown towards political candidates that are running in any Republican race that are maybe not Trump guys? Do you think they're going to get support from the RNC if you got two Trump people at the top? I'm genuinely asking this question. We've already seen that Donald Trump himself demands fealty and loyalty. So what if John Burke wants to run? Say like Van Taylor, or I think he's already gone, but whoever his replacement is, they got their butthole lick. And John's like, you know what? I'm going to run. I'm going to run as a Republican, but I'm going to embrace conservatarian values. Now the RNC, I got to get in touch with them, right? Or am I running on my own without support? Good luck. Good luck. Sign up to your local chapter. Well, how far down is this, this Trump message going? The first thing you're to say is like, are you a Trump guy? My answer is gonna be like, no, I'm a policy guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a conservative. I'm a, I'm a constitutionalist. That's what I'm talking about, folks. See where I'm going with this? We got to have diversity. We've got to have diversity of thought. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea to have his daughter-in-law or any family members for yeah, that matter doesn't to get look in good. there. Yeah, that doesn't look good. But at the same time, though, here's the deal. Trump can trust her. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. It's probably a smart move if you're Donald Trump. If you're John Burke, I don't agree with it. Yeah, but if you're Donald Trump, you're going to surround yourself with people that you know will not backstab you. That's family. Well, I can, at least he's making a smart pick for his interests. I'll give him that for his interests. I wouldn't say so much the interests of the people per se. That's just me. But I thought that was very interesting. It's going to have some ramifications. I don't know if they're going to make it. We'll see. We'll see. Um, now, another article has come out. This is Donald Trump faces rebellion over Michael Watley endorsement. Uh, some saying it's a bad choice. This comes to us from MSN um, EU or EN-US News. Donald Trump is facing a backlash after endorsing Michael Watley as the next chairman of the Republican National Committee. In a statement from former president outlined his, excuse me, in a statement, the former president outlined his support for the North Carolina Republican Party chairman who serves as general counsel of the RNC amid reports of RNC's current leader, Ron McDaniel, may step down from the position. Um, I think my friend Michael Watley should be the RNC's next leader, Trump, the current front runner in 2024, Republican primary race, adding that he has been with me from the beginning and has done a great job in his home state of North Carolina. Newsweek reached out to representatives from Trump and Watley via email for comment. Uh, Watley previously worked as an advisor on the Trump-Pence campaign and is back to Trump's false claims of voter fraud in 2020 election. In 2023, endorsed uh, Watley as co-chairman of the RNC before he withdrew. Meanwhile, the endorsement comes after the New York Times last week cited anonymous sources who said McDaniel told the former president she would step down after South Carolina primary later this month amid mounting criticisms about her performance. McDaniel herself has not confirmed that she is stepping down. Um, news like that doesn't leak if there's not something there. I'm like, where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. Nothing has changed. This will be decided after South Carolina. RNC spokesperson Keith Shipper told Newsweek. Um, 
one X user, Denise Harrison said, these choices are supposed to inspire conservatives to donate money? Question mark. I wasn't donating before. I sure as hell won't be donating to the RNC now. Another X user, Reno Sakata, wrote, why Michael Wetley? Others expressed concerns about the manner by which Watley was reelected to his position last year. In September of 23, a judge dismissed a lawsuit brought by three North Carolina delegates challenging Whitley's reelection as party chairman. Watley defeated his challenger, John Kane, but those bringing the case claimed the use of a mobile phone application to vote allowed invalid. Wait, uh, a, a phone application to vote allowed invalid votes to be cast. Recounting this issue, the host of The Absolute Truth, a show on social media platform, Frank Emerald Robinson said, Watley is a cock bro swamp creature. He's anti-MAGA, bad choice for RNC chair. I have not heard that levied at him yet. An ex-user responded, Emerald is right, I'm from North Carolina, and Watley is poison. McDaniel, the niece of Republican Senator Mitt Romney, has served in the RNC chairwoman since 2017 when she was chosen by Trump to lead the party after she served as chair of the Michigan Republican Party. But in recent months, she's been criticized for funding issues in the GOP governing body, as well as for the Republicans losing multiple elections since 2020, leading to calls for her resignation. Earlier this month, when asked by Newsmax, Rob Smith, whether it is time for Ron McDaniel to step aside, Trump said, I think she knows that. I think she understands that. He also signaled he was distancing himself from McDaniel during an interview this month on Fox News. I think McDaniel did great when she ran Michigan for me, Trump said. I think she did okay initially in the RNC. I would say right now there'll probably be some changes made. Aside from Watley, Trump also said his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, has agreed to run as RNC co-chair. Laura Trump, who's married to Trump's son, Eric Trump, was a senior advisor to the Trump campaign in 2020. Laura is an extremely talented communicator. Uh, she's not a talented singer, I'll tell you that right now. And is dedicated to all MAGA stands for. Trump said in a statement, she has told me she wants to accept this challenge and she would be great. All right, chat, how do we feel about this? How do we feel about this? Phone, phone lines are open. We'll go ahead and take some calls on this one as well. Feel free to call in. Um, what are we thinking about this, chat? We think this is a good idea? To me, I mean, you know where I stand on this one. People have a difference of opinion. You're welcome to call in. Ladies, yeah. Ron McDaniel also being partly responsible for the reason why the RNC is currently uh, seeking to take out lines of credit because essentially they have like hardly anything cash on hand to run on for 2024. So let's go ahead and take a call. At the beat. Yellow. Hey, uh, what's up, guys? Uh, Brittany Grinder. I uh, want to uh, go on uh, say I got to. That's, that doesn't sound anything like Brittany Grinder. Oh, uh, no, you that, 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 that sounds like, that's like a bad knockoff Joe uh, Swanson. Brittany, you got to get your listen, meds right. Listen to me, John. Yeah, my listen God. to me, John. Uh, you should go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm challenging Hobo Chili to call it. Is uh been a little slack. I mean, I'm a right, goodbye, goodbye. Uh, it's bad. God, cut it, Jesus. What is this? Uh, no, this is not. This is not. You know, Savage has got talent. We're not coming here judging you based upon your ability to do an impression. You either do it or you don't. Stop trying to be hobo. Start at the beat. There's only one hobo. Hello. Yellow. <laughs> Oh, we gave him a shot. Oh my God! There's only one hobo. Like, nah, don't, don't try and be a hobo. There's only one. Try one more time. Savage's got talent. That's what this is. So we've turned the show into Savage's got talent. I'm Simon. That was absolutely horrible. Standing by. 
Standing by for your calls. There's only one hobo. <laughs> Hello. You just hung up on him, didn't you? Yeah, you did. You totally yeah, did. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep going while Josh unfucks this. Whatever's going on with this, I have no idea. There's calls coming. We just can't answer them. <laughs> you dropping calls over here? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Good Lord. Dead air. Dead air. Anything? Hang on. Play me off, Johnny. Play me off, Johnny. All right, let's keep going. Dude, you're killing me. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> Have you tried rebooting it? <laughs> I'm fucking with you, dude. All right, John Stewart totally pissed off left-leaning viewers in the Daily Show return for questioning Biden's mental fitness. You got to love this. Don't speak out against King Biden because the DNC is going to disown you. John Stewart, this is what's weird about this. Like, Kamala Harris comes out and says, like, I'm ready to serve. She didn't say, like, President Biden's okay. Like, she's like, I'm ready to serve. They're turning on that guy quick. Oh, yes, they are. Like, they found, like, they've already got his grave dug. They've already got Joe Biden's grave dug, and they're just waiting to push his ass in. Kamala Harris, like, I'm ready to serve. Poop. And just bunches, like, pushes Biden into the grave. Um, but yes, media pundits out there are turning on Biden left and right after Biden's press conference. Everybody was kind of like, oh, that does not look good. There is yeah. no denying the dementia at this point. Like you can't, but John Stewart apparently comes out. He returns to the daily show and, uh, John Stewart's highly anticipated return to the daily show sparked outrage from left-leaning viewers after the comedian spent much of the program questioning the mental fitness of president Joe Biden to kick off his return from a nine year hiatus. Man, it's been nine years. Yeah, didn't Stephen Colbert take over or whatever? Or get his own show? Like, Stephen Colbert was such a disappointment. Uh, he's terrible. Horrible. All of, all of the late yeah. night shows are awful now. Yeah, it's not like any of them were, like, super funny. I mean, I think the Johnny Carson show was pretty funny. You go back and watch reruns of that. Jay Leno was pretty good. David Letterman was okay. Conan, I think Conan definitely picked up over the years. But now, Jimmy Fallon, that guy's just not funny at all. Uh, I don't even know who these other hosts are. It's just they're not interesting at all. Um Kickoff his return from a nine-year hiatus. Stewart on Monday took aim at the 81-year-old Biden within three minutes of the Comedy Central's show at 11 p.m. start time. The 61-year-old Stewart quipped that Biden should fire everyone following his recent debut on TikTok, saying the commander-in-chief looks older and dubbing him the chocolate chip cookie guy after his bizarre comments in his inauguration, or excuse me, his uh, inaugural video. Stewart also didn't spare 77-year-old Donald Trump airing clips of the ex-president as at multiple events saying, I don't remember, and adding that the leading cause of dementia is being deposed. Stewart, who is slated to be back on a part-time basis throughout the election season, called both presidential frontrunners chronically challenged as he dubbed the upcoming season uh, Indecision 2024 electile dysfunction. When you got John Stewart, ultra-liberal out there, when he's criticizing Biden, again, you know things are like really, really bad. And it's not crazy to think that the oldest people in the history of the country to ever run for president might have some of these challenges, Stewart added. The comedian cited Biden's disastrous press conference last week when he confused sitting French President Emmanuel Macron with former leader Francois Mitterrand, who died nearly 30 years ago. Uh, viewers who had celebrated Stewart's comeback as a return of even-handed political commentary, yeah, okay, weren't impressed with the comic's 20-minute take-no-prisoners monologue. Looks like a large number of the people who were over the moon to see the front-runner of Jon Stewart are now totally pissed off at him, one user wrote on X. 
Uh, John Stewart complaining that a 2024 is two old guys again is like me complaining it's two white guys again. It misses the point and minimizes the stakes, another said. That is not missing the point at all. That's like highlighting a very sincere point that you're ignoring. And making the false equivalency over two white guys has nothing to do with the ability to perform. This one has everything to do with age and cognitive decline. What are you talking about? You don't get it. You just don't get it. You know, it's just funny, though. Like, and the only reason I want to tap on this article real quick is because, again, when you see the likes of John Stewart over there catching flack from the left, it feels like these are holdout leftists at this point. It's like, look, these are like these are the true never Trumpers. These are the ones that are like anybody but Trump will take the geriatric dementia ridden moron over Trump. Those are the only Trumpers. Like, this is ridiculous. Did you see Michael Rappaport on uh, Patrick Beck David show? Talking about that. No, I didn't see it, but go ahead. I guess he, he's come around and confessed to uh, you know spreading the lies about the uh, Charlottesville, yeah. about the very fine people stuff. And yeah. So you What a piece see- of crap. Like, he admitted, it's like, yeah, I probably spread some lies, you know, but fucking Trump picked dick message. Shut up. You know, it's such a moron. When that guy mm-hmm. turns around yeah. and you're like, you know what? Things are better under Trump. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Republicans aren't that bad. It's like, I mean, what are you supposed to say to that? Not everybody like, wants to live in a shithole. I agree. I watched a uh, a segment with uh, Jillian Michaels, the fam- famous fitness, uh, fitness trainer. She was on with um, Bill Maher, and she's just straight up roasting Bill. Bill's sitting there trying to downplay how bad California's got, and she just she's and the thing I like about her, she's genuine, she's authentic, and she's just kind of like you know, Bill's trying to minimize her experience, and she's like, yeah, I left. California, you go to Florida. He's like, Florida? It's crazy down there. It's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, it's not. It's like, yeah, there's like people eating bath salts and fucking alligators and blah, blah, blah. She's like, what? It's like, no. He's like, well, how bad did you have it in California? Not paraphrasing, but she's like, I was down in Malibu. He's like, oh, really? How bad was it in Malibu? She goes, well, my house got broken into. He's like, what? What? He's like, yeah, my house got broken into. The guy showed up with duct tape and a video camera. And by the way, he was just released. He was supposed to go to jail for three years and he was cut loose. Guess by who? So who? She's like, Newsom. Newsom cut him loose. He's like, our state is sinking. Our state is horrible. It's like these policies, and, she, and she's attacking Newsom. And Bill Maher's like, well, I like Newsom because he's he's slick, but he wins elections. It's like, okay, that doesn't make sense. He wins elections, but his policies are horrible. They're destroying the state. But yes, you've won elections. Good job. That's, that doesn't mean anything. He's going to start back in Gavin Newsom. I think he is. I think he is. He's, he's making the turn. <sighs> he's start back in it. He's a winner. Yeah. He keeps winning California and, and yeah. destroying it. That's... Bill Maher is just one of those guys. Like he, he has become a little bit more even-handed as of late. I will give him that to a degree, but he's still hard. He's still a hardcore Democrat. He's never coming over the Republican side. Best you can get him is like maybe somewhat independent. Maybe, may I'm surprised he's not supporting RFK. So good take call. Let's let's see if we can take another call. Beep. Yeah, well. Sorry, I wasn't sure I was going to get through there. Let me mute this real quick. Yeah. Uh, two points to make. Uh, first off, on your uh, the Laura Trump thing, mm. nothing screams uh, desperation like nepotism. Yeah, I agree. So that's the first part. It's it's and it even if I voted for Trump twice, mm-hmm. and I'm not thrilled with him this time around, but I'm looking at going well. Why do you seem to be trying to stack the deck in your favor? That's a Democrat play. Mm-hmm. And I lost my train of thought on my other point, so that's brilliant. <laughs> You're good. You're good. 
Uh, to your nepotism point, like I said before, I see why Trump's picking her. I, I get it. You do have to surround yourself with family to a degree because your family's not going to turn on At least I hope they wouldn't. But at the same time, I don't feel like that's the best interest of the American people. And I feel like if Trump would have picked somebody that is probably better liked, that is a more center of the aisle, is going to be fair, it's going to be just, I think there are much better options. But at the same time, I get why he's picking her. Like, this is just another, it's nepotism. It's nepotism. Yeah, I don't think you would necessarily have to pick somebody in your family or pick somebody in politics already. You could pick anybody, right? Yeah, somebody that's established, yeah. Yeah. Someone with, you know, just a little bit of a brain. Oh. Somebody's got a history of being, you know, but, fair. But he also says that she's... Go ahead. He says that she's uh, you know, very much qualified for this. Well, I remember a large number of selections he made that people were eminently qualified for, yeah. in his opinion. Yeah. It didn't turn out so well. I mean... Yeah. I'm in Pennsylvania. I didn't like the whole oh Dr. God. Oz thing. You'd be amazed how many people up here were, we talk about politics and then you just get those glare like, oh, Christ, I got to pick between these two. So, yeah, well, I mean, Fetterman's been kind of like, you know, he's still a Democrat, but after his stroke, after his stroke, he, he came out like more conservative. <laughs> it's like, what's going on there? Isn't it amazing that the man that couldn't speak with, without uh, some kind of aid who has brain damage is making more sense than the average Democrat is. And actually, unfortunately, a lot of Republicans. Now. I was about to say probably some Republicans too. Cause it's just kind of like, uh, was he actually a baddie? Like, I don't know. He's still, he's still a Democrat, but his stance, his positioning on Israel, I thought was very interesting. I did not see that coming out of him, but uh, at least the one thing Fetterman has shown is that he is not going to bend to the will of the, the R or the, excuse me, the DNC out there when it comes to, the jihad squad. He's not going to jump on the woke train. So I think Fetterman's probably one of the more, I would say moderate Democrats that you could probably negotiate with outside of like the Jihad squad. They're, they're just, they're so, they're so far gone. They're, they're so far gone. You're not going to reason with these morons, but now to your point about the nepotism, I agree. I think as a Republican, it doesn't look good. It, it doesn't send a good message. You know, MAGA's going to love it. They're going to eat it up because it's just one of theirs. They're going to get more loyalty, more uh, MAGA. We're going to, we're going to see more MAGA. Like if Trump wins this election, MAGA will take over the GOP bit by bit by bit. And then you basically got a Trump echo chamber, and that is not good for Republicans as a whole. It's just not. Trump's policies, I don't feel, really reflect the Republican um, foundational core values. I just don't see it. But at the same time, no, they're not foundationally conservative. Yeah, and if this is what if this is what people vote in, then unfortunately, I, I hate to say, it, but we deserve to get it. I feel like John the Baptist here saying, "Hey, I'm I'm telling people we got to be careful with this. We we've got to be careful with this. This it sounds good now." What I'm telling you is when you get people in power, they're like ticks. You can't get rid of them. You can't get rid of as you know, yeah. last I checked, we don't like monarchies. We don't like dynasties. It doesn't work out so well. We saw that with the Kennedys. In fact, we still got them hanging around. One of them's running for an independent right now. They don't go away. Yeah. So the second issue is when you talk about your red flag laws. Yeah. And now I was uh I was in the Navy for quite a long time. Happy Medical. Gay Pride Month. So I saw <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tech scene, fucker. <laughs> anyway, uh, I had a lot of time with the Marine Corps, did a lot of time with, uh, you know, other deployable forces. Yeah. And so the red flag law thing, I saw a lot of folks come up that I had to sit there and try to be inventive on how to get these guys help because they were terrified. Yeah. First off, I'm sure you saw this. If you got injured in any capacity, you were reluctant to go to medical because you didn't want to be taken off the front line. Yeah. You didn't want to be taken off the team. Yeah. So you'd see this not just with um, regular injuries, but also with mental health. 
Yeah. So the fact that these guys are also trying to push these red flag laws that much more means, and to your point, one, they're not going to go get seen because they're afraid of losing their job. Yep. Now they're going to be afraid of losing their rights under the Second Amendment. Yep. So how does that help things in the long term? You know. No. And, and, you know, to your point, who do you think is more likely to carry a gun in defense of themselves and others out on the street, Democrats or Republicans? I'd say Republicans, hands down. <laughs> I know there's a lot of Democrats yeah, that do carry, but I think veterans even more so. I think, number one, veterans are trained. Now, granted, a lot of them are not trained because, let's just be real, there's not a lot of jobs that did not require firearms proficiency, but they have a basic fundamental understanding, a lot more than that of, say, somebody that's never taken a, a, a firearms class in their life. So it's kind of like you're demonizing and penalizing the same group of people that are probably more than likely there to support and defend uh, would-be victims against active shooters and the like, which doesn't make sense to me. But again, you got to be a Democrat to understand this. Why none of us get it? We're not stupid. Like we're just, we, you know, we have common sense. We pay taxes. We work. Last thing, I'll let you go. Yeah. Uh, for your honey thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in a beekeeper for a while. Your, nice. uh, for what you're planning on to doing, honey sticks is probably your best your best bet. You think so? Opposed, opposed to well, like, say for example, like a 16 ounce you, bottle. <laughs> well, eight ounce, I'm sorry. Eight ounce, not 16. It, Jesus. It's kind of hard to do a 75 ounce bottle. <laughs> <laughs> We're going two liters of honey, well, baby. Still, you figure eight ounces. That's still a lot, depending on how much, uh, Delta 80 be putting into that. Mm-hmm. And then people possibly taking too much and stuff like that. So at least you can control the dose better. Yeah. At least as far as the amount that's of going into a stick. Yeah. That's a good point. Usage as opposed to someone has a thing of honey. Next thing you know, some kid gets into it and oh, then yeah. Yeah. you have all sorts of liability on your hands. Well, I mean, the same thing can be said about the halo gummies though. I mean, it's just one of those things that the packaging is going to be clearly marked, you know, contains THC, yada, yada, yada. But I like your point that you made about you can control the dosage. You're right. Because I've been doing like a table, a tablespoon or table, uh, excuse me, teaspoon. And even that's like, dude, this is too much. So I and think you're still baked with the Oh my God, dude. I think the, uh, the sticks probably the best way to go because you can still use, I mean, we'll probably wind up doing both. I like the idea of the sticks so people can actually regulate the dosage, but then there's other people like me that just don't give a damn. It's like, you know what? To the moon, baby, let's do it. Dump a whole teaspoon. I'm going to see, I'm going to see Uranus. I'm going to see Uranus tonight. Hey, yo. Nah, appreciate that feedback. Hey, I'm, I'm excited. Right? Dude. Well, you, can, you can pay for that on OnlyFans for Josh. There you go. Um, we get the, I get my bee, uh, you have a great day. I, be, I get my beehive in, um, April. So, um, I'm excited for that. I didn't want you to hang up on him yet. I was, it's, oh, he hung up. Well, screw him then. Now I get my beehive in April. I'm excited for this. Um, I think it cost me like 500 bucks. Uh, but they, they get you a starter hive. They get you, they mark the queen bee and they give you the stack. And I watched a bunch of videos on this. You know, I'm, it's going to be one of those live and learn. And there's that local beekeeping group. They've reached out. I'm going to get involved with them. But the goal, honestly, is I'm going to start with one hive. The video I watched has said that after like two to three years of doing this, one hive can produce a good chunk of, of honey. So I would like to have like anywhere from five to 10 hives and then work that because I, I the video I watched, this guy had three hives and in one season, he produced about 55 gallons of honey. That's a lot. That's a lot. We're going to call it Burke's Bees. How about that? How about that? Burke's Bees. And we'll have candles because we're going to have the beeswax. We can do CBD stuff. I don't know. A lot of cool stuff to do. So many activities. So many activities. And it's going to be raised on my property. That's going to be cool. Like, I'm going to, well, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I like that idea, though. Yeah. The sticks. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. People can just rip the top off, pour it on their thing, and yeah. It tastes really good. Really good. Excited for that. 
Uh, remember how we were talking yesterday about the issue with Tony Romo ruining the last 30 seconds? Well, I found the article. I haven't read it yet, but uh, the article says Tony Romo completely ruined the final 30 seconds of the Super Bowl. <clears throat> I wasn't going to do this today. I swear, honestly. I was watching the Super Bowl last night and at one point thought to myself, you know what? Tony Romo isn't terrible tonight. And then the final 30 seconds happened in overtime, the biggest 30 seconds of the entire NFL season. And Tony Romo found a way to undo everything he'd just done. You were so close, Tony. All you had to do was put your head down, let Jim Nance take us all home, and you were going to be in the clear. After weeks of beatings, you finally came up clutch and got the job done in crunch time. Instead, we got this. Okay, so this is the okay. This is the thing where I guess he gave away the ending. We're going to play the clip. I'm not really sure what he's talking about here, but let's... Uh, Let's let's give it a listen. See what he's talking about. Apparently, this is how he ruined the uh, thing. Let me unmute it. This is the final final play, I think. That's right, because I can only feel people out there being like, "What's going on?" First and goal. Mahomes swings it. It's there. Hartman jackpot. Kansas City. And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special. We talked about he was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. Okay. Um, Okay. I never understood Tony Romo hate, but now I get it. As a play-by-play announcer, this is a pet peeve. Tony, a legendary moment just happened. Either let Jim continue to talk or let the Nat sound visuals take over. Stop talking. So they were mad that he was talking over the final play in celebration? I don't get it. Me neither. I, well, let me first clarify. You know, I watch football in a very generic base. Like, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll watch a game every... I watch the Super Bowl. You know, I, I have a good... I know how Super... I know, I know football works. But I I wasn't peeved by that. No. I don't... I just, you think, I think people are just being nitpicky? I think so. some people just don't like Tony Romo for some, but they do that with all these commentators too, though. Like uh, any commentator, they'll be like, "Yeah, this guy's on this guy's dick." <laughs> <laughs> um, well, people in the chat are saying otherwise, saying painful to watch. Oh, okay, they're talking about the uh, the actual play itself. Um, Tony Rumble fumbled again in the biggest moment. Jesus, what are we doing here, Tony? Why? Why? You were so close. This was going to be a redemption game. Instead, you not only gave the people maybe the worst description of the new OT rules known to man, but then immediately jumped in and ruined a walk-off touchdown. Um, it was all just so unnecessary. Let's start with the first point. What the hell was that overtime rules description, Tony? I was so baffled watching it live. I, I didn't hear that part from him. I, I heard... Well, I heard the referee. Now, I heard Tony give his take. Maybe it was a little confusing to some. I I, I don't see it. Yeah, I was a little confused by it. But okay, I clearly mean, you it, were because we didn't know which, which one was the right one. It was a touchdown. So each team gets the ball in overtime. If one team scores more points than the other after each possession, 3-0, 6 uh, the game is over. If both teams tie after possession, uh, the next score wins. The clock essentially doesn't matter in overtime. Frankly, I don't know why they even used it. Uh, but they did, and it was confusing to some because the Chiefs, needing a field goal to tie and touchdown to win, were driving for said score at the end of the first overtime. Time was ticking down. I'm already bored with this. I think people are just nitpicking. I don't care. I don't Who care. cares? Yeah, it's. I think people are just bitching about something to bitch about. I don't know. Um do the math democratic representative tries to explain her $50 minimum wage proposal to be fuddled uh, rivals during Senate debate. 
Representative Barbara Lee out of California, well, that explains it, speaking at a California Senate debate, Representative Barbara Lee insisted at a Monday night, hold on, is there, is there a, please tell me, oh, there's a clip. We're going to, oh, good, good, good. I haven't even read what she said yet outside of the $50 minimum wage. Let's, let's just listen to this moment of brilliance from this, you know, Democratic senator. Let's, let's see what she's got of to say. Of course, we have national uh, minimum wages that we need to raise to a living wage. You're talking about 20 $25, fine. But I have got to be focused on what California needs and what the affordability factor is when we calculate this wage. Ms. Lee. Just do the math. Of course, we have national. Uh, okay, so she didn't say it in that clip verbatim. Maybe she continues on. Um. In the Bay Area, I believe it was the United Way that came out with a report that ever that very recently, 127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. She said another survey very recently, 104,000 for a family of one, barely enough to get by low income because of the affordability crisis. The federal minimum wage is 70.25, but a number of states have enacted their own standards. In California, the minimum wage rate is $16 an hour, but that number slightly increases for fast food and healthcare workers. Uh, Lee's fellow candidate, Adam Schiff, listened intently from the side as Lee broke down her plan and explained, just do the math. The congresswoman also dismissed Schiff and Porter's calls for an increase as not enough, especially for Californians. Just do the math. Of course, we have national minimum wages that we need to raise to a living raise, she said. You're you're talking about $20, $25, fine, but I've got to be focused on what Californians need and what the affordability factor is when we calculate this wage. The Post, do the math, Democratic rips. Oh, hold on, she keeps going. Okay, well, right off the bat, it's like you're now you're demanding that businesses pay more. Why are you penalizing businesses for your inability to balance the budget, control inflation? You're doing a horrible job at this. So now instead, you know, being consumers complaining instead of the government taking responsibility for what it's helped screwed up. It's going to be on the businesses. The businesses have to make up for this difference. I'm sorry, but a McDonald's employee, $25 an hour is unheard of. Unheard of. Now, granted, I get it. I understand that, you know, everybody wants to work at a job where you've got an affordable, livable wage. I agree. But that job is going to have to come with some some, um, qualifications, usually requiring some, number one, on-the-job training, some trade expertise, a degree, things that you've invested in making yourself more employable, more of an asset to a company. But to walk in and say, I demand $25 an hour to flip a burger, you're out of your mind. Hence why McDonald's, as we've already seen, is doing more investing into technology R&D to basically eliminate the need for employees altogether. And they're going to save themselves a lot of money. That's what happens when you try and put parameters on the free market. It's just, it's stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, not, a, and this is a thing. Democrats, in their mind, have this idea that every job, every single job, should be paying enough that you can support yourself and a family on. No, you're not going to be able to support a family working as a barista in Starbucks. It's just not going to. That's a job for somebody that's single, probably trying to work their way through college, figure out what they want to do in their life. It's a good in-between. Yeah. Now, if you want to make a career out of it, that's fine. But you're going into this knowing, it's kind of like when you go to, like, say, for example, a Bucky's. Bucky's is always hiring and they have their, their price breakdown of what a manager makes, what a cashier makes, what this makes. You go into that knowing this is the, this is the scale. It's the same in the military. You know, if you make E4, you're getting this amount of money. 
So that tells people right off the bat, okay, if I want to pursue a career in this field using this job or this, this, uh, this job I'm getting hired at, you already know the pathway forward. You don't walk into a McDonald's and say, okay, you know, am I going to come out on the other end of this in 30, 40 years from now being a millionaire? The answer to that is an undoubtedly, no, you are not. You are not. Unless you start your own franchise. And even that, you're going to have to come up with a lot of capital. Even still, though, it is beyond me why you are basically penalizing business owners. Now, I'm not talking about franchises. Franchises can afford it. Franchises are going to go into self-preservation mode like McDonald's and, and whore out to R&D and just essentially remove the need for employees altogether. Mom and pop businesses do not have that option. These bigger businesses, they can afford it. Smaller ones cannot. So ultimately, it's going to be the middle class businesses, small mom and pop, they're going to be the ones to go under. And then we sit here and we wonder while the franchises are taking over, while the corporations are taking over, you're killing the small businesses. Let's not even factor in crime into California, of all places. Let's not even factor that in. How many stores have shut down in Oakland? We, we, we showed a clip the other day of this woman walking through, Cal I think it was Oakland. She's like, nothing's open. I think I posted on Instagram or something like that. Or it was Twitter. She's walking downtown. Oakland. like, we can't even keep a Dunkin' Donuts open. People keep robbing it. And they're like, well, we're shutting up shop. And then your, your community goes to shit. Nobody wants to come there. Nobody wants to work there. No one's going to open up business there. This is what you get with liberal leadership. You don't enforce the law. The local culture is just a bit bass backwards. Businesses are the lifeblood that keep those places going. So then when you attack the businesses and they're closing up shop, they go elsewhere. You know, who are these government officials going to blame? And, and guess what? They eventually get ousted, but they're going to, you know, golden parachute into safety. They're fine. They make their money. They make their, they get their, you know, millions. And then taxpayers are just left to sit and rot into a city. But at the same time, you voted for it. So that's what you get. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. It is the truth. Just nuts to me, man. It's just nuts. Rand Paul endorses Kerry Lake. Rand Paul, I've explained, I just want to tap on this briefly. Rand Paul, I saw this circulating. Rand Paul's in it for self-preservation. He knows. He knows for him to stay in Congress, he's got to get on the Trump train to a degree. He didn't come out and just openly endorse Donald Trump yet, but he did say that he's never Nikki, and now he's endorsing the likes of Kerry Lake. I know why he's doing it. He's playing the game. He's got to play the game. I don't personally agree with it, but... Rand Paul is Who else to, is running over there? Um, Rand Paul, uh, Cinema. She's going against Cinema. Yeah, I would take Carrie Lake over Cinema. Um, no, I'm saying, why did he even interject himself in this? Like, Rand Paul, like, why would you ever interject yourself into this? Probably at all? because they need her. I'm, I don't know. They need a Republican in that spot. They do, but I don't know if Carrie Lake is the way to go. I think they should have picked somebody else. She's the only person, though. No, no, I'm saying that, well, uh, actually, no. Hold on. Um, Though most of Lake's endorsements have come from allies of former President Trump, she's also receiving the backing of key GOP figures, including um, John Barrasso to Wyoming, Steve Daines out of Montana, and uh, Republicans of Washington to coalesce around her. Carrie Lake would go to D.C. and shake things up. Um, she's MAGA to her core and cannot be bought by the establishment. I am very proud. This is from Matt Gates endorsing her. I, I don't think she's the one to go. I don't think she's the one. 
but Rand Paul's endorsing her. Um, she, she's running against P- Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb for the GOP nomination. So there is somebody else. Okay. She is seen as the heavy favorite. She's expected to go against Republican uh, Ruben Gallego uh, out of Democrat Arizona in the general election, while Senator Kristen Sinema, who's independent, who currently holds the seat, has not said whether she plans to run for election. But I do know, based upon her reporting, she's got $10 million cash on hand for a re-election bid. If she does, Carrie Lake, I think last I checked, has like $1.52 million on hand. The nonpartisan elect, uh, election handicapper, uh, Cook Political Report, rates Cinema's seat as a toss-up. So realistically, anybody can get it. But I'm just curious as to why Rand, why Rand is doing this. Like Rand, it's like, hmm, I don't know. Something's weird. Something's weird. And last but certainly not least, I thought this was interesting for us. Elon's latest Twitter plan, let woke companies curate ads on specific accounts. I like that. I think that's, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think this is a very good way for Elon to woo back all these woke corporations that have basically said that we're, we're boycotting Twitter. Now it's saying you can choose. You can choose who you want your ads to run or what, what Twitter accounts you want your ads to run on. I think that's brilliant. I don't know how it's going to work per se. Uh, Twitter is introducing a new ad targeting feature allowing brands to promote their ads alongside specific creators. Content uh, aiming to lure back advertisers after recent controversies. In practice, the feature will allow woke corporates to curate ads to specific users, for example, mandating their brand must not appear alongside tweets from conservatives like Cat Turd or Libs of TikTok. TechCrunch reports that Twitter is rolling out a new ad targeting option that will allow brands to have their ads appear alongside content from specific uh, creators on the platform. The company announced on Monday, starting this month, advertisers on Twitter's can run ads against the curated list of premium content creators via creator targeting. This gives brand more control in Twitter's self-serve ads manager to run video ads next to videos from their chosen creators, both on the home timeline and on creator profiles. Bro, that's genius. That's that's genius. You basically just stripped away any reasoning why Democrat-run businesses or liberal-run businesses would not want to do advertisement on your platform. But will it be enough, though? Because a lot of people view Elon's platform as a right-leaning hate speech echo chamber. And just using the platform, I'm not saying I agree with this, but just using the platform is a sign of that you're agreeing with Elon. That's how liberals think, I think, by and large. Yeah. What, I think the, the biggest key thing is, will Disney return to Twitter? I don't think they will, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, Elon is definitely, I like the way he's doing this. He's cushioning up. This uh, this option here to say like, look, Disney, you're stupid for not doing this. Your thing was that you don't want Disney being run, or you don't want Disney ads being run on platforms that you feel are uh, against LGBT, whatever. Well, now you could pick these large creators, and you're gonna make them more money, but ultimately you're gonna make Twitter more money. It's a smart thing for Elon to do. I think it's it's brilliant. Rumble's talking about doing the same thing. Yeah. I was talking to Rumble, um, and they were talking about basically advertisers can get on there and they can determine what audiences you want to target via the creator. It's like, that is genius. And they can they can also facilitate the dealings of saying they will pair you with these creators. Say, if you want to run ads on this guy's channel, we'll put you in contact and you can negotiate the terms. It's like, that's genius. It's the way it should be. Um, we get that too for people who want to advertise on the show. Some people we don't because it's just like, number one, I don't want to take away from Shellshock. But number two, it's like, would your would your product actually match with uh, with the audience? Like some some people, I don't think will. So we've turned down some people's like, I just don't think that'll resonate with us. But either way, I think the smart of Elon, it's a good move. It's going to do Twitter some good and good for him for doing it. So 
Well, that does it for today's episode of the All-American Savage Show podcast, folks. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for sticking around. If you've not supported us over on Locals, you can do that. Or go over to shellshockcbd.com. And also, don't forget 1920brand.com. Um, oh, and uh, I don't think we put in the order for the Eagles Not Chicken shirt yet. I think we were supposed to do that yesterday. But if not, we're definitely doing it today. Got to do that for sure. Got to. Got to. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Hit that like button if you could. Leave a comment below. And if you could, share the podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to us over on iTunes. You can listen to us on Spotify. Just look up John Burke or the All-American Savage Show podcast. You'll find it there. We appreciate you. We love you. Got anything to have a man? Yeah, you guys have a great night. And as always, you stay savage, America.